Geek Shock. Geek Shock. No, it's to entice people to go get to the Gibson Girl ice cream parlor and oh, to the well bakery then what smell do they pump out in the game store to entice nerds? Fresh dice. White metal. Plastic. <laughs> Pizza? I don't know. Pink. Welcome, folks. <laughs> it is Ugly Couch Show's Geek Shock number 87. I am a functioning Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlarg. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Deb. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening to talk all the goodness and geekdom. And speaking of goodness and geekdom, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you guys because my week of geekness was just sat sick in a bed. He was so sick he couldn't even make it to game night. I know. It's terrible. That is sick. Well, you were still playing video games, though. Well, yeah. I was there in spirit anyway. What? If it weren't for illness, I would have never gotten through Legend of Zelda on the NES. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a cheat guide. However, you three went crazy nuts, so what did you do? Uh, I almost got in a fight with my girlfriend over Munchkin last night. Oh, oh my that's god. Brilliant. Do not buy the Munchkinomicon. <laughs> it is evil. It will turn loved ones against each other. <laughs> well, let's start this from the beginning. Uh, Dev and I went to Austin to visit a friend, and we found the greatest game store like ever. So here's yep. a free shout out to Dragon's Lair Games. In Austin. Now a, Austin, Texas. There's three yes. of them. There's another one in San Antonio and another one somewhere else. Washington <laughs> State, I think, actually. What? Really? Washington yeah. State? Because <laughs> wow. it's franchise. So, like, Talk they just, yeah. The tentacle stretches long. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, the one, the reason it's good that, that there's this one in Austin is because Steve Jackson Games, maker of Munchkin, Illuminati, and fine games everywhere, is based in Austin. So they beta test stuff right there in the store. And we just went in just to do something while our friend was uh, working out, you know. It's like, oh, there's a comic store over there. You two nerds go in there. You'll have fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. We 45 were, minutes later. We were still, she texted me and she's like, um, I'm ready to go whenever you guys are ready. And we're both just like, no, we're still looking at everything. She'll and never make that mistake We're doing again. the whole contemplation of, can we ship this? It'll fit in a bag, won't it? Yes, no. If I didn't have to use a bathroom so bad... I would have stayed, but I kind of didn't want to go in the nerd store. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's listening, yeah. to this, you know what I mean. Yeah. But no, it was a great store. Um, they had like tournaments going on there. Two different types of tournaments, I think, were going on at the same time. Yeah. Uh, they had a bunch of Warhammer guys up front, and then they had something in the back. I don't know. Um, they have comics. They have games. They have a whole section devoted to Fantasy Flight. So we were loving it. Nice. It was mm-hmm. good stuff. So hey. They have a podcast, too, so, yeah. actually. So we picked up the Munchkinomicon, which is an addition to Munchkin. Oh, and yeah. Okay. And you can play it with any of the Munchkin decks, because it's like a standalone side deck. You don't mix it in. Okay. It's its own cards, and it's the whole, you know, it, it's this little book that gives you plus five bonus, but it's evil. So it's attracted to people that do certain things during the game, so you can get it and lose it very quickly. I see. So this, the purpose of this item is to destroy so relationships? Is that exactly. what I hear? <clears throat> it was the rules arguments that, that uh, we almost and it was all you. each other over. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I was right. <clears throat> see? See what said. it does? <laughs> okay, the base, bottom line. Bottom line, that's when, what started it. Well, when you get the card, it, the whole thing, it's, it comes with its own little deck. It's like 15 cards. But they're spells. And you only can get the spells if you have the Munchkinomicon. So as soon as you, it tracks to you, you automatically draw a spell. And okay. then if you have it at the start of your turn, you get to draw a spell. Well, Barry... <laughs> I like how of, this starts. Yeah. So, Paulette <laughs> had it. Or was it... Me. Kirsten had it. Okay. 
Kirsten had it. And then it was my turn, then it was Paulette's turn, then it was Barry's turn. Well, Paulette finishes her turn. Finished her turn. <laughs> and Barry, <laughs> Barry did something. He you know, gave away <clears throat> cards that Objection. would draw the Munchkinomicon to him. And he was trying to insist that because um, he did it before the start of his turn that he could get two spell cards that turn. Yeah. But it was his turn already. No, see, I waited. <laughs> I waited until she was done with her action on her turn. She at the finished end of her, her turn, no, which means it's she, then your yeah, turn. Yeah, she, he, Basically, she, she picked action. up a card and she's turning it over. And this is the card that you get to yourself. At you don't end. reveal. And she's just looking at it and Barry's like, I lure the card to him. Yeah, it was his turn. <clears throat> no, it wasn't my turn. And that was, that, it was there it is, no there shit. it is, folks. She didn't say Five I'm minutes done. of that at <laughs> greater volume. She didn't do anything. Everyone knows you knock. Jade That's was crying. I think we can expect. Jade was so sad. <laughs> Jade is the dog, by the yes, way. Yes, he's my dog. <laughs> and then it was just bitter awfulness from there on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> which was good because that put a lot of focus on Barry, which you know takes the heat off of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. At one point, Deb Paulette did two gratuitous screws on Deb, throwing oh. out curse cards just to get rid of cards. And Deb got so angry that when her third card came up, even though tactically the person to hit was Deb, uh, Paulette threw. I think it was on me. Yeah, she threw it on me because De Deb had intimidated. Her her. She's like, oh, I gotta throw this on Deb, but I can't because Deb will hurt me. <laughs> well, she made me lose a level and lose my armor in one turn. I was like, Are you freaking kidding? So, so what you're saying is, I could very well have saved my life by not showing up at game yes. night last night. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh and yeah. we played Ravenloft again. We played a new. We didn't. Look at our asses kicked again. Again, of course again. you did. Ravenloft yeah. is built to kick your ass. Yeah, but we were playing on what's called the easier mode. With the, with the three healing surges, yeah, oh, still. Yeah. We're not doing it something rough. wrong, I don't know. It was rough. Crazy. Slap, slap, slap. Th that game hates people. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I still have yet to play Wrath of a Charlotte. A Once you can say it, we'll play it. Yeah, I guess that's where it comes down. You can't play it till you can say it. Kirsten, you, you did something uh, I found very interesting. Well, uh, what do you mean, Todd? <laughs> I know, I'm privy to knowledge. I, uh, I I guess you could say, well, I don't know, is this geeky? No. I went out of town to play a game. Yeah, that's geeky. That that's works. awesome. I went to Chicago <laughs> for the weekend because uh, that's where I lived before Vegas. Yes, great city. And uh, I have a bunch of friends there that these are people I've I'd known years before I ever met any of you guys at Trek. Huh. And... Um, the, the 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 short of it is a guy I was working with at a comic book store I managed invited me into his Friday game. This is Bruce. And this little circle of people were some Northwestern alumni plus a few other people. And eventually Smarties. I was good friends with Bruce and his wife Sandy. I became good friends with Matt uh, and a few other people. And uh, then uh, like one or two years after that I went with them to a Gen Con in, uh, back when Gen Con was in Milwaukee. And there was a group of Wisconsin players that they had become friends with that we all played a game with uh, throughout the Gen Con weekend. And I became good friends then with those people, Danny and Susan Grimes and Neil and a few other people. Oh, how the tree grows. So eventually, this is now, you're talking about two decades of gaming. These are people who are really into their gaming to the point where they're actually passing it on to their kids. Oh, that's cool. They periodically have gaming weekends. They will have gaming weekends without the kids like we did this time. They'll have gaming weekends with the kids. Matt runs a small campaign of Gamma World 
with the kids, where the kids get together, and he runs it. One of the other adults will co-GM with him, and he's playing with the kids being the uh, the players. Oh, that's and the kids cool. are in ranges of uh, anywhere from, I think, like 7 or 8 to, to 11 or something like that. Well, that's a far cry from me being called into the principal's <laughs> office to talk about this D&D thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's, how, that's how into that they are. So Matt... Uh, he grabbed a hold of the Microlite D20, which is sort of a watered-down fourth edition, a couple months ago, and he converted um, an old Roger E. Moore uh, Norse adventure, and he just started emailing, talking about this Norse adventure he wants to run. And I was like, I've got the time, I've got the money, so I threw out an email, you know, because I'm part of that list. I'll come out this time. And so we had a gathering. The group goes all out. You they did a sure. cafe press... Uh, a page where they did a con shirt. I was wondering what that yeah, was. Me too. This is this is it's it's called uh, for pe for for our viewers out there. It's called Con, and it's uh, the uh, Acer Stone Adventures, and then February nineteenth through twenty first, you know Taylor Hall, Bruce and Sandy Taylor were the ones who. So they do that with. Huh. Oh, that's and, very cool. And they go they go crazy. Um, a friend Andre, his wife makes chili. And she can't understand why they do things like make little badges for yourself and stuff like that. So we actually made a badge for Donna as uh, the uh, con chef for Andre <laughs> to take home to his wife and everything. Oh, so we brilliant. played that adventure. And How many people are you talking about? In the um, oh, players, players. How many players did we have? I think we had like uh, six to eight players. And then Matt uh, had two minion GMs who ran um, minions for him. <clears throat> That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, that it was very cool. cool. I got in on Friday. Matt picked me up from the airport, and as we were trying to head over to Bruce's place, the highway, the Eisenhower for the Flatlanders, was choked. So he's like, "You know what? I'm going to show you someplace cool." So we took a little detour to Brookfield, Illinois, where I discovered Galloping Ghosts Arcade. Galloping Ghosts Arcade is sort of like. Um, Vegas's own pinball hall of fame, mm -hmm. except no pinball machines. Huh. It is all, all classic arcade, games? arcade cabinet cool. games. I sent a link to Todd so he could attest <laughs> to the types of games. This place attest. has over 200 cabinet games of all varieties. We're talking about all of the Marvel versus Capcom. All of the Street Fighters, wow. Zaxxon, Galaga, the whole thing, smash up TV, stuff I, I haven't even heard of. I didn't recognize three quarters of the games in this place. Wow. Unfortunately, Defender, Gauntlet, Tempest, we're all out for repairs. Oh. But, uh, they usually are those games. The, 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 well the, this, but this place had everything Silent Scope, uh, uh, Tekken, uh, just ton I even played uh, Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo. What? Wait, they, so, they, they have one pinball machine. Ah. They have Twilight Zone, the most important pinball machine <laughs> of all. <laughs> so the nice thing about this place, $15 door fee. All games are set to play for free. Your wow. receipt is good for the entire day. You can come in in the morning, buy it, play it, go to lunch, come back, show your receipt, continue playing, go to dinner, come back, show your receipt, play till 2 a.m. Part of me almost thinks awesome. they should do that here and you just pay a door fee. Yeah. It's a $15 door fee, and you they, get They you get might unlimited. be. There's something that we'll be talking about in a future uh, podcast or episode that's happening in Vegas, but I want to get more details on it. Yes. All I was right. talking about the whole thing. But... Oh, well, that, yeah. That'd yeah. be cool, yeah. too. And uh, so, I contend, <laughs> sir, by the way, that uh, you what? are... Oh, sorry, were you... Well, the, the, that's... <laughs> 
the one thing was we did right, that. Right. Went the, we then had the game was all day Saturday. We started at about two and we wrapped up at eleven uh, thirty. Nice. See, that's and how you was, play a game. It was a true yeah. Norse adventure because uh, on the big boss battle, um, we entered a room with multiple exits and we covered one. There was another that was open and several ogres are covering this entrance while the giant, main giant boss is there for fighting. And these three ogres like take positions at the doors. They try to unbar it and call for reinforcements. And Heinrich the Ack, Axe, played by Art, who is a Catholic priest, <laughs> ran clear across the room. He's like, I want to run and barrel into them so I can get them away from the door. And Matt's like, okay, roll to hit. Natural 20. Nice. And wow. he's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to knock them down. So he goes in, he bowls over two of them. The next round he stands up. And then for the remainder of the battle, which was about seven rounds, he sat there fighting these three ogres, holding them off and keeping them from getting reinforcements while we took care of the boss giant. Wow. And his character, excuse me, his character was the one character who died. Oh. And it was like a true valiant yeah, death. Yeah. That's cool. The that's how you should go north so, style. It was, it was really cool. So, Brilliant, uh, man. They're old friends of mine. They're good friends. It was great seeing them. I hadn't been with them in years. And it was lots of fun. And it's like part of the, what I think is the true testament of what tabletop RPGs are all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, man. I concur. I had tons of fun. So anyway, uh, my... Uh, my, my salute to the Cheeseheads and the Flatlanders. And uh, <laughs> folks, check it out. They've got their own uh, website, gallopingghostsarcade.com, and you can gaze in wonderment at all that they have over there. It's and I believe good. they also keep a list of high scores on really? that website. I think actually they do. Yes, they do. That's kind of cool. They, they, they do all sorts of interesting cool. stuff there. So Nice. Uh, and if you're anywhere in the Chicagoland area, Brookfield, Illinois, go, go, go to... Well, so that was my geeky thing. And I'd help say both, yeah. both your group, fantastic. Yeah, I was kind of pissed when Barry was talking about Dragon's Lair because I'm like, God dang it, I had the ultimate gaming geeky thing this week. And, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's you pretty, still that's, do. That's, yeah. yeah, you still do. That beats us. Well, do. Dragon's Lair, that, that's you, yeah. that, a nice gaming store yeah, is, we could, oh my is God. a good find. We, I think we ended up talking to one of the guys that worked there for at least half an hour. We felt bad because I know he was busy. Yeah. But we just... Geeks smell their own. Because the whole time we were just like, <laughs> literally, it was, it was like, it was like Mecca. It was geek Mecca. I swear to God, I was like, oh. And we God. got to see a child being handed the red box. For yes, the first time. The first oh, see, time. That's... It was special. How young the child? Oh, he oh. must probably look probably about eight. Yeah, eight. Fine, fine starting time. Fine starting. Mm -hmm. Hey, you did do something geeky this week. What did I do? Uh, a few days ago, uh, before I left for Austin, I got uh, some text messages. <laughs> so, he, Pinball Effects, clearly you've handed the crown over to me. You're not even yeah, going to try. I, I... So, he, he goes to, to oh, the Pinball Museum here. He was obsessed to beat yes. you. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Pinball Museum. And I know he's at the Pinball Museum because he's texting me pictures of his high scores <laughs> on the actual pinball. <laughs> so... <laughs> to me, that seems like, okay, well, you're just going to try and beat me in something else, and then I'm going to crush you, and then you're going to find something else that you think you can beat me in. Oh, I, I think I have... After this, what is it, macrame? No, I, th I think the uh, the line is drawn at real pinball. That, yeah, because that's, yeah, that's, uh, you suck at real pinball, Barry. It just That's that's what it is. If you throw the that's gauntlet down, there's going to be some quarters. Well, that, that's why I wanted it there to give you at least something to aim for, so we can know where to start <laughs> on the real stuff. 
Well, I won't. Besides, I guess I won't uh, see this weekend, huh? the difference between video pinball and, the, and real <laughs> pinball is you have to put your money where your mouth is, and you can't hit start over when the first ball doesn't oh, go your way. Yep. Oh, <laughs> which you both do. Uh, wow, Todd, I've seen I think, it. I think Todd just called Marty McFly chicken. Chicken <laughs> <laughs> McFly. <laughs> Yeah, but there there wasn't really, well. He's he's he, if he was calling him out, he's a bit of a hypocrite because he does it too. Absolutely, well, I sure. do it. You have to do it. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you can't reach. You those both scores. do it. I've, I've witnessed you both do this. So. Yeah, and usually it involves a lot of cursing when you restart yeah. it too. Heavy, well, heavy yes. cursing. Well, I'm not chicken, Biff, and it's on. All right. Well, the machines are marked. I got them. Actually, I'm gonna. I got to put a little little uh, little spreadsheet together. We're gonna make this <laughs> real. Oh yeah, let's do that, and real. we'll make it public. We'll put this spreadsheet online. Oh, I like this. I like this. Yeah. So everybody can I'll track. I'll bring my, yeah. my best of who album for the for the thing. <laughs> That's right. My theme song. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so let's move in. We we have we've shot the shit long enough. Let's start our good news you don't give a shit about. What's in the news that I don't give a shit about? Yeah, not too much, but yeah, interestingly enough, uh, first a uh, gadget. Okay. Yeah, gadgets are usually good. Like Actually, you may, maybe maybe you'll like this. Maybe you will. Okay. It could know. be used for evil, though. Okay. Uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, happened a, a product called Scentscape was presented by creator Scent Sciences. This device is synchronized with whatever you're watching or playing, and at certain points throughout, a specific scent is triggered and sent out to nearby nostrils. <gasps> Smell-o-vision! Smell-o-vision oh is official God. now. Okay, so like what they've been doing on rides at Disneyland and stuff. Yes, but this is in the home. The machine will hold a cartridge that contains 20 basic scents at the moment, ranging from cinnamon and pine trees in a forest to the ocean, flowers, or the smoke. Because you know that's in some movies, too. You, well, you know what? Depends how deep you want to go. Gunpowder, wow. <laughs> illicit sex. Wow, and Deb went there, folks. Corpses. Yeah. These cartridges will be available in standard packs or, quote, media-specific packs which is assumed to mean the sense will be customized to a certain movie or game and are said to last around 200 hours each. How long it really lasts will depend on you, however, as you will have the volume option if you'd like the scent to be weaker or stronger. So oh, what would man. the sense be for Star Wars? At the moment, it looks like the first attempt at making this the next big thing will be in the realms of PC video games, but there is full intentions of working with all gaming platforms and eventually movies, TV, and so on. They even have another program on the way called The Scent Editor, where you can customize your own personal home movies with certain smells. Wow. Adding another layer oh, of nostalgia no. to your oh, family's memories. Wow. Oh, no. Now this, I love it. Now, this brings us to the speculation that World of Warcraft will be the first <laughs> to step up and try this out, while completely unconfirmed. Sweating Cheetos. There are images of the product <laughs> with World of Warcraft branding on it. Of course. The Scentscape is set to be released later on this year and will re- retail for $69.99. Oh, my God. Okay. One, wow. I, I remember reading about Smell-O-Vision in theaters. Yes, and, long ago. And the one thing I heard that led to one of its failures, aside from the fact that it was just a gimmick, is that they had a hard time getting scents out of the theater so you would, when they started layering scent after scent in the, each different scene, you eventually had this melange yeah. of different scents <laughs> colliding with each other, leading to an uh, icky combination. Yeah, of, it had well, something the- to do with the oils that they were using that would like literally adhere to like the seats and the well, and and the you, walls. but you'd also have to have good ventilation because the yes. way the reason why it really works on Soarin' Over California, the ride at Disney's California Adventure. They used this on that ride, and it's really cool because... Um, it smells like pine. 
you're flying over the over the over the forest, the redwood forest in California, and it smells like pine trees. And you're flying over an orange grove, and it smells like orange, yeah. and it's really crisp. None of the scents blend, but I think it's because the whole time, as they're spraying the stuff out, they're also venting. Well, it's in the built air. for it. It's built for it. Right. And your home yeah. is not. No. Yeah. I so. can't even get the garlic out of my house when I cook sauce. <laughs> exactly. Forever. Bacon, forget about it. That's but true. what if Bacon. they put a scent, not a scent, like a neutralizer? Between? Like a palate cleanser. A giant like coffee Febreze. Beans. Like coffee beans. <laughs> yeah, like coffee beans. Coffee beans and like that, whatever that stuff is that you spray that's just neutral. And it sprays charcoal across everything, neutral too. neutral air or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so what would be the worst movie to use smell vision on? Something that takes place in post-apocalyptic or in um, somewhere with lots of sulfur. Anything was really bad. <laughs> I'll go specific. How about Kevin Smith's Dogma? <laughs> dogma the, the shit monster, monster the oh, shit oh, demon. The shit. <laughs> yeah. Imagine getting that out of your furniture. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. <laughs> what would great this sense be for Star Wars? Well, let's see. Sweat charred plastic. <laughs> yeah, really. Charred flesh. Um, Luke, don't! It's too dangerous. Kind of a, shit monster again. That kind of ozone yes. smell, yeah. maybe for when the, shoot. the, What's the that lightsabers go up. Princess? Yeah, ozone yeah. smell. Um, exhaust, I guess, and uh, sweaty, unwashed cockpit. <laughs> yeah, I don't. What? Want to know Star Wars. <laughs> okay, what version of Star Wars are you talking about now? Millennium Falcon. Do you think Han or Chewie ever picked up a wash rag I'm and sure cleaned that and cleaned That's their great cockpits? Kid. Don't get penisy. <laughs> Cockpit, not cock. <laughs> There's a pit on the end of that. News you don't give a shit about. According to director DJ Caruso, via his own Twitter account, he's officially closed a deal to take on Preacher, making him the latest in the line of names attached to the movie at one point or another. There's a movie then. Uh, yes, now it's a movie. <laughs> now, now wait. It gets better. Caruso is, of course, best known for his action thrillers like Disturbia, Eagle Eye, and the new movie I Am Number Four. <clears throat> now, some may like this news, but for the vast majority of Preacher fans, it is a crushing blow. One of the problems that has always delayed the adaptation was the fact that it would have to be really dark, really violent, and really R-rated. Never a pleasing recipe to financiers. Ten hours well, especially for a comic book movie. Caruso. Want is known for making his mark with PG-13 movies. Preacher, fuck. Preacher needs to be a cable, a cable it, series. It needs to be an extended long series. It needs to be an HBO. Yeah, it needs to be an HBO show. It was close. It was close, and then HBO did that uh, that uh, shift of people at the top. A new guy took over, and then just pretty much canned everything they were working on. Started Whatever. anew. I mean, it gave us Game of Thrones, so yay! But it also crashed Preacher. Yep. And I don't even think AMC could do Preacher justice. No, no AMC, AMC is basic cable still, so they don't they can't follow those rules. Nah. HBO would be able to show all the blood and guts they would want. They can. I mean, yeah, they'd really. be able to show pretty much all of it. Preacher's pretty bad. You got the language of yeah. uh, of Deadwood and the graphicness of Rome, or Spartacus for that matter. Yeah, slammed together. So well, Spartacus is on Stars. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say Maybe Stars. stars yeah, Stars could do it. But basically, right, what we have right now is a recipe for Constantine. Oh. Yeah. Where they just have to change so much that it's completely unrecognizable to the source Don't material. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed yeah. Constantine. It was movie. all right, but it wasn't Constantine. It wasn't Constantine. It was, you know, there was yeah. some basic flavor in there, but no real spice. It was no inspired spice. by Constantine. Great. We're going to have another <laughs> Wanted. Boy, that pisses me off. Well, Good. if it gets made. 
Who knows if this is going to get made? It's no, Wanted was rated R, so you're looking at less than. Well, that's not the point. Wanted was unrecognizable. Right. There were no <clears throat> ties to the original Wanted. All right, so think Wanted, but less intense. Uh, yeah, all right, now you're good. <clears throat> intense is Preacher. And finally, news you don't give a shit about. Uh, Hai Yon Nam has created a video game controller in which two people French kiss to control the in-game antics. Uh, Who's paying attention to the screen? She explains how her controller works on her website. Quote, one person has a magnet on his or her tongue, and the other person wears the headset. While they kiss, the person who has the magnet on his or her tongue controls direction and speed of a bowling ball for 20 seconds. The goal of the game is to guide the ball so that it maintains an average position in the center of the alley and increases the speed of the ball by moving the tongues faster while kissing. At this point... Who cares about the damn video game anymore? If you're going to be kissing that much, you're going to end up doing something else And you're not supposed to be moving it as fast as possible. Well, and one you're right. One person always has to have an eye on the screen so they can't be paying attention to the and kiss. And how do you get the magnet on your tongue? Do you have to wear a tongue ring? I don't know. A little clamp Probably on little, your tongue? Maybe a little sticker. We need him here. This is the stupidest <laughs> idea ever. I've been the thing on your tongue. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Paul Mattingly joke here. And that's all the shit news. So yeah, let's do week and geek here. There's some. There's some actually some really good stuff this week. I'm very Yay. happy. With Hold some on, of this. wait a minute. Question about that. Now I want to go back no, to that okay. for a second. Go, go, go right back because I just thought of all something. Right. Scratch a lot of people play video games alone. Yeah. Right. So how do you? How do you do this? This is a two-player game. Well, you wear the headset so like, and the electromagnet. Maybe it's like spin the bottle, except it's like real life. Game. It takes two people to bowl. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Whatever. Moving. Moving. I'm putting too much mind share into this. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, so we have to uh, we have to lead with uh, Spider-Man. Oh. Yes. Spider-Man, turn off the dark. But oh, this, but man. you'll notice that this is not in the news. You yeah, don't give a shit about. Section. You got me worried about. Yeah. This one. All right, here we go. Veteran humorist and playwright Justin Moran launches, quote, Spider-Man Smackdown, a guerrilla theater project to write, rehearse, and perform a fully realized musical based on the character Spider-Man in under 30 days with a budget of zero dollars. Set to open one day before the $65 million Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, Moran's musical will be the first Spider-Man musical to officially open in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, I love it. Can I support this Uh, project? In a way, you can. Moran has launched a blog, the spideyproject.blogspot.com, and YouTube page to promote the project and to enlist a troop of volunteer writers, designers, and actors. Quote, how important is $65 million in making good theater? Jokes Moran. We're going to develop a story, write a complete musical score and script, design sets and costumes, cast, rehearse, advertise, and ultimately mount the production on March 14th, 2011 at the People's Improv Theater in New York City. Moran is collaborating with writer John uh, Ruffale on the story and book based on the Spider-Man Origins comic book and has brought on composers, composers Adam Pod, who did Pope the Musical and Imagine Ocean, and Doug uh, Caseros, the Broadway's Aida and Grammy-nominated Footloose and TV's The Tick, to write and arrange the score. Quoting uh, Moran, The outpouring of volunteers in the first four days has been overwhelming. I'm sure. And I'm extremely confident in the level of talent that is going to be going into creating this completely original Spider-Man musical. How awesome would it be if it's like ten times better? 
<laughs> if it even opens. Based Holy on the crap. rewrites I hear about going on the original, yeah. I mean, they brought in a, uh, I can't remember who he is, but uh, a guy that's written a lot of musicals to work with uh, Bono and The Edge on making their music for the show better. So that's that's where it's at right now. Yeah, we Couch Show would be happy to donate hosting space <laughs> and uh, my considerable web and graphic talents for free. And Miranda's uh, no stranger to uh, new thinking and creative theater production. He's a resident writer and performer with two improv comedy groups at the Magnet Theater in New York City. His original musical, Pope the Musical, was a Fringe Festival winner of New York City in 2010, Outstanding Music and Lyrics, for which he wrote the book and lyrics for and played the off-Broadway at uh, the uh, Lortel Theater. And the Spidey Project, once again, will open at the People's Improv Theater, The Pit, on 123 East 24th Street, March 14th, 2011. We need to send Adrian. Yes. <clears throat> Our friend lives there. We need to send her. Yeah. And Adrian, she, you're going. And she loves theater, so she will give oh. it an honest review. Brilliant. Hmm. Yes. Nice. And then we have to send her Brilliant. to the actual one so she can compare and contrast. <laughs> there you go. You know what? Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> you want some more good news? Yeah, I want some more good news. The Smithsonian Institution has announced they'll be opening a new exhibit called The Art of Video Games yes! on March 16, 2012 nice. at the American Art Museum in Washington, D.C. That's a nice. good week for news. The exhibit, which will feature games that were visually or technologically groundbreaking, and they want you to vote on what you want to see. So to vote, head over to the Art of Video Games website. There, you can log on and choose 80 games from a slate of 240 chosen by an advisory group of gaming insiders and exhibit curator Chris Melisinos, who you may have heard from events like PAX and his past Pixels project. But voting aside, the exhibit will focus on games that defined or radically changed the understanding of gaming. From the Smithsonian's own website, quote, it will also explore the many influences on game designers and the pervasive presence of video games that have on, a on the po broader popular culture and new relationships to video art, film, television, and educational practices and professional skill training. It's focused on games, so they have five that you can play for a set period of time at the exhibit. Pac-Man, Super Mario Brothers, The Secret of Monkey Island, Myst, and World of Warcraft. And because it is a Smithsonian Museum, the show is free of charge. Nice. Ooh. Very nice. Ooh. So, yay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much, Smithsonian. Smithsonian All right, Roger rules. Ebert, take that on. <laughs> yeah. Jerk off. It's not an art form. Well, apparently it is now. And speaking of museums, the villain of the 2007 documentary, The King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters, Billy Mitchell, has opened up The King of Kong Arcade, in the Orlando International Airport. What? In the airport? Wow. The arcade has the theme of the film. A picture of both Mitchell and Weeby are featured on a sign gracing the arcade entrance. The pictures on the walls and the color scheme are all Donkey Kong. However, the arcade currently does not have a Donkey Kong arcade machine <laughs> in it. What about Donkey Kong Jr.? That's no, just... no Donkey Kong games whatsoever. All, wow. all modern new games. That's, That's stupid. Stupid. The modern games suck. They're all sports simulators. I know. And does Wii or have like to do with it? Dance Dance Revolution. I don't know. I assume since his picture's on there, he might, but uh, from what I gather, this is all owned by Billy Mitchell. I would not put my name with anything with Billy Mitchell. Isn't Unless he the it one? Was like, which one was he? I was he? selling mullets. Is he the one that like was insistent that he actually won? Or Yeah, he was the one with the crazy American flag tie with the mullet, and he sold hot sauce. Oh, right. and, okay. And he was the first champion Pac-Man player. He's, yeah. I mean, he's had he's many no records. Joke. He's 
he was the man for a while, and he just he's not met. the one that still lived with his mother, was he? Yeah, who the hell was that? I don't know. One of those All guys of in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never married. Um, that yeah. sounds like a lot of them. No, uh, Billy Mitchell was great in the '80s, and so he decided to stay there. <laughs> I like it here. I'll just never leave. Orla- take so my mullet with me. So if you're heading through the Orlando airport, maybe you should just hey, take, so when we take a look. It looks kind of cool. Uh, I saw like a little video tour through it. Just none of the games looked interesting enough to play. So who knows how long it'll last? Way to go, Billy! <sighs> Round Rock, Texas. This is from KXAN. Okay, Round Rock is in Austin. All right, here we go. So this, close to home. Maybe you caught this. The Round Rock SWAT team responded to multiple 911 calls of a suspect inside one of the Dell Round Rock campus buildings on Monday morning. Kelly used to work there. Only, oh, yeah. he. Um, this is what she was telling us about. Only he dressed to find up out, for a meeting. Only to found out, find out it was a marketing stunt gone wrong. Yep. Oh, yeah, I did hear about this. A person <laughs> dressed as a biker in all black and a black mask was on the sales floor of the building carrying two metallic objects and telling people to go to the lobby, according to Round Rock Police. A sales manager set up the stunt as an internal promotional event to celebrate the release of the new Dell Streak tablet. But Round Rock Police ended up arresting two people for causing the disturbance. Eleven minutes into the situation, police determined the masked man and the other man were part of an in-house marketing plan, but told nobody about it. Yeah, it was actually called in as a bomb threat. Police, so they like evacuated all the buildings and everything. Police arrested the man dressed in a skull mask and biker outfit, 48-year-old uh, Brian Chester, and a supervisor. All of this, quote, all of this was intended to be, was to go to the lobby because they were introducing a new item. A Dell spokesman would not say what the new product was, but the source inside Dell says it was for the Dell Street tablet, which can interface with Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of, created this whole event to get people to the lobby that caused people to call 911. Yep. Yay. <laughs> Yay marketing. Good job, Dell. Oof. All right. Back back on the good news line. This 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 tickles. I have not covered this particular story. The story's actually been going on for a few weeks okay. because it became a non-story. It was like something that could happen but turned out wasn't going to happen. Well, it's going to happen. After Detroit mayors Dave Bing. It's going to happen? Shot down the idea of erecting a government-funded statue of RoboCop. Film nerds are doing it for themselves. Oh, you were talking about this. A group of Detroit artists and fans of Paul Verhoeven's 1987 sci-fi satire RoboCop have been fielding donations at uh, www.detroitneedsrobocop.com since (laughs) Bing dismissed the idea of a RoboCop statue a week ago. They have already hit their $50,000 goal thanks to more than 1,500 donations with a $25,000 chunk given by Pete Hotlet, who owns a company that sells products licensed from movies like True Blood Energy Drink, which we featured on the show, and Sex Panther Cologne. And the company's name? Sex Panther. Omni Consumer Products. After awesome. the very corporate monster that created Robocop in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I'll wow. buy that for a dollar. <laughs> The group of local artists is taking is talking with Mayor Bing about potential sites for the statue, including outside Commercial Park, the home of the Detroit Tigers baseball team, 
Even though they've met their goal, Detroit Needs Robocop will still keep raising money until the March 29th deadline, hoping to make the biggest, best statue of a cyborg officer of the law that Detroit wow. has ever seen. Awesome. So go to their website if you feel you'd like to pitch in. Please pitch in because, you know, statues are not cheap. They are not. And I am, you know what? I would go to Detroit to see this once it's done. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this makes Detroit a destination spot for nerds. It does. <laughs> My only question in all of this is like, who are they building the statue for? There's nobody in Detroit to see it now. That city, <laughs> that city is empty. Just, but that's yeah. that's that's Blitzville. But that's something that the populace can can rally around. Yeah, just like right? in the movie. Yes, that that statue alone <laughs> could rebuild Detroit. You know what's gonna happen? Inspirational, yeah. inspirational. Just like Delta City, huh? <laughs> Boo. Like ten years from now, we're gonna be visiting a friend in Detroit. It'll be so. I don't know, it's Saturday. What do you want to do? I don't know. We get tacos. Hey, go see the statue. There's something to do. So we go see the statue. That's cool. All right, tacos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if the Rocky statue can do it, the RoboCop statue can do it. And maybe this will pave the way to other great pop culture statues in the future. And uh-huh. hey, if Eminem can get, Ooh. if Chrysler can get Eminem to do a commercial for them, I suppose anything's possible for Detroit right now. They need Peter <laughs> Weller to unveil the statue. That would be But fantastic. I think the next thing that they should build Starfleet yeah. Academy in San Francisco. That's going to take a little more than 50K. <laughs> okay, a little sadness. Oh. It's been so good so far. i got to do a little sadness. Oh, boy. Uh, comics and cartoon writer Dwayne McDuffie, oh. who has most recently penned the script for the DC animated feature All-Star Superman, passed away from complications from a surgical procedure he had on Monday. Wow. McDuffie got to start in comics as a member of Marvel's editorial staff in the 1980s. Well, as an editor of Marvel, McDuffie began writing the Damage Control miniseries and helped revamp the Deathlock character. Eventually, McDuffie began writing full-time and helped create the Milestone Comics universe at DC. The Milestone was a separate line that featured minority heroes such as Static, Hardware, and Icon. In recent years, McDuffie began writing for cartoons as well, including a cartoon adaption of his Static character, Static Shock. He also served as the story editor on the immensely popular Justice League Unlimited cartoon. McDuffie also wrote the DC Comics straight-to-DVD animated feature Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, as well as the adaptation of All-Star Superman that was released on DVD and Blu-ray today. That blows. Yeah, yeah it does. It's a good writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I saw Crisis on Two Worlds. I, two Earths. Or worlds? Or? Crisis on... Two Worlds. Yeah. Whatever, I like that. <laughs> it was good. Well, here's something you can do to help save a show if you're so inclined. Fox recently kicked Fringe out of its Thursday 9 o'clock time slot, moved it to Friday. Death slot. Yep, known as the death slot. Worse, it's conflicting with Supernatural. Yep. So viewers are spread thin. That's enough to make fans worry about the ratings. As it turns out, Joshua Jackson, who plays Peter Bishop, is worried too. Jackson told EW that Fringe needed a good fan campaign starting now. Quote, I'm a positive person in general, but we really need our Fringe fans to tune in and watch us on Fridays. We did good when we first moved, but last week, we did not have a good week, ratings-wise. It's going to take the people that like the show to watch the show and start the campaign and show their support if they want to see us stick around for another season. And although Fringe's uh, Fringe's ratings are higher than Supernatural's, uh, Fringe had 3.7 million viewers last Friday, Supernatural had 1.9. 
It's still quite a drop from the 2009-2010 broadcast season where it averaged 7.3 million viewers. Ah. See, here's the thing, though. I think is what happened a little bit. Because when Fringe first started, I knew people that were watching the show that weren't into this type of show, and they liked it. But I think the more it's gotten into like the parallel world, world mm-hmm. storyline and more, a lot more science fiction, it's lost some of those people that watch shows like Bones right. or, you know... Those types of things. Do you have to have seen it the entire way to get it? Right now, you have to a little bit, at least this season. You don't have to really know much about the seasons before, but you need to have watched at least this season to know what's going on main storyline-wise right so now. There's a and what's their lead entry. in? Yeah. What's their lead in on Fridays? Because if, if they're, you know, when you move a show like that to to a Friday night time slot, you really right. need to have a strong lead in. Which is why it worked before, because it was right after Bones. Yeah. And Bones has Damn. a very good, strong following. And I think when it first started, it aired on Tuesdays. And it had a really good show before it on Tuesdays. It's kind of like, uh, what was I think it was uh, Seven Days when UPN was still around. They put It used to be on before Star Trek Voyager and had really good ratings in that slot because people watched it, liked the show, watched it to get to Voyager. Well, at some point, they swapped the two shows. So they put Voyager on first. And then Seven Days was on after that. Or maybe it was uh, uh, that one with the, it was the kind of the remake of Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I don't know either of these shows. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Uh, so if that tells you anything. They swapped, right the, they swapped the positions. And then they realized that people were turning off their TV sets after Voyager was over. Or they were going to a different channel. Yeah. So it's... I sometimes turned off my TV set <laughs> while Voyager was on. Oh! <laughs> oh! Star Trek hate. <laughs> now, I will say this. Uh, I gave up on Fringe early because I didn't like its episodic, uh, a quote, monster of the week basis thing. I was like, I was yeah. wanting something deeper and stronger. And now as it's gotten into a, it a continuing storyline, really I it. hear it's fantastic. I look forward to catching up on it. I but since Fringe. I didn't watch it from the beginning, yeah, it's something I have to do. On DVD, so I serious and like a lot of that monster of the week stuff that you're referring to was all set up for. Yeah, it was a build up to something else. Yeah, Yeah. it's like all of that stuff now makes sense because it's like, oh, okay, this ties in with that now, and this is the reason why that quote unquote monster of the week. They were trying to figure out what this all was, and now that they know why these things are happening, it it makes that whole first season make sense. So, well, here's the crappy part. You know, I I watch. I am a very big fan of Supernatural as well as Fringe. Mm-hmm. So when Fringe made the move, because it's on a larger network than than the CW, um, the CW doesn't show any of their shows on Hulu. They don't show any of their shows on on demand on the cable. Um, so the only way to watch it is to either go to their website, which I don't know if it's changed recently, but it used to be they didn't even post their shows on their own website for at least four to five days after it aired. Mm-hmm. So the only way for me to see it and see it like right away is to record it. Yeah. So I record it and then I watch Fringe on On Demand. Okay. So my worry is that me watching Fringe on On Demand isn't counting. Like uh, they're only counting that Friday night at 9 p.m. when people tune in. And I think that's retarded. It is. Uh, because Neil- so many people Nielsen's don't watch really live TV. outdated uh... Most people that I know do not watch live TV anymore. Especially, they watch it when they have time. Especially people that watch genre fiction. Yes. And especially, you know, I work in the food service industry. I work at night. And most of this, all the shows I like are at night. So I re- 
record them and then I watch them the next day mm -hmm. when I'm hanging out at home. And, and can't they do that? I remember hearing that the, the, the Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction, they actually said that, that they measured that that was the, the greatest number of instant review hits they got on well, a see, telecast. They said that they were that they count DVR ratings on some of those things, but they really should be But counting. they don't fit it in, in the actual Nielsen rating no. itself. No, and they should be. What they should do is give it a week's time and then report their, their viewings because... Because Fringe is showing strongly on DVR. It is. And That's... on Hulu, I'm sure, because I used to watch it all the time on Hulu at work. And um, hmm. yes, I watched a lot of TV at work. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people watch it that way, and it's not fair to judge a show by only the people who tune in live. Well, yeah, it, and Nielsen, it really is antiquated, as, as Todd touched on there. And I'll, I'll just give you my own personal experience with Nielsen recently. Uh, the, the, it used to be they had the box where, you, you know, yeah, if, you were, if you were a Nielsen family, you got the box. Pretty much more now, they send you this diary. Yeah, and you when sit I was living down, with, I, when I, a couple years ago, I got one when I was living yeah, with Kate. Yeah, I saw that. You yeah. sit down, you fill it out, you mail it in. But see, that's just um, stupid. You have to sit and fill it out by yeah. hand for an entire week. You fill it out by hand. There's no online component where you can just go in and say, this day I watched this, 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 and this, live, and then DVR. Well, With like I a mean, pen there, analog? There is uh, spaces on there for you to put on there whether you watched it live or you watched a DVR in the diary now. But, as I said... You still have to fill it out and then mail, well, and it, mail in. it in, which means doing everything by hand. And the person who reviews it has to enter it then into the system. So it yeah. probably takes weeks, if not a month or two, for them to even oh, yeah. get that Eas information. Easily, easily a, probably a month from the time that you mail it in until the data is uh, you know, entered into their database. Right. Well, here's the thing. Most cable companies can get, not site-specific, but they can get um, instant data on how many households are watching what program and how many households are DVRing certain programs. Why don't yeah. they use so, that instead? It's more accurate. I know it's more accurate, and that's the, the, the change in the technology. The problem is the studios and the networks have been using Nielsen for so long decades that they just still do it. It's because it's like... It's a dinosaur they won't throw away. Right. It's, yeah, it's a dinosaur they won't throw away. And you've got, you still have a lot of older businessmen in positions of power in these networks and these studios. Well, so, but I can kind of understand why they do it this way because they get their money from advertisers. And advertisers will only pay for advertising slots if people are actually watching it yeah. then and there. And when you watch it on DVR, like... Fox on Demand still does commercials. Oh, and don't I know it. And you can't fast forward through them, but they still do commercials. Small on Hulu, they still do commercials. But the problem is, like, when you pay for advertising, say on like Hulu, it's not like you're saying, well, I want um, only these shows during this time right then and then, right. between like 9 and 10 p.m. or whatever. I mean, they just throw ads out. And you even get to vote sometimes on what ads you watch. So. Well, and sometimes those ads are custom tailored to you from your browsing habits because right. it reads your cookies and says, right. oh, okay, yeah. this person recently did a search for that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, I know. So, yeah, know. Hulu. The cloud watching. Once again, <laughs> folks, you're being watched. You could almost hear Kirsten cringe oh, when I said Oh, <laughs> you guys, you just don't know. That was like, okay, I finally caught up on the final on this last show of Human Target. I don't know if anybody else here watches that show. I really like that show. Okay. Human Target. 
Except and it's just not the same as the comic. Okay, but I, I never read the comic. Okay, I never read. You the never comic. read the comic. The show I is enjoyable. I read a couple. I read a couple issues because I wanted yes. to. Oh, okay. The show. The show I, is enjoyable okay, for me. I give you a pass. Anyway, Thank this you. this last episode of the season, <laughs> they got, um, in trouble with this rogue agent of the CIA. Ooh. And within like no time, everything in their office. They were being watched through their own equipment in their own office and like on their own. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It creeped me out. I'm like, can they really do that? <laughs> yes, again, I, I, I saw this really creepy news article uh, last year about a adoptive father who went to jail because his adopted do- teenage daughter kept noticing that her webcam camera was kept getting angled in a specific direction she'd change it she'd come home and it'd be in another direction she told it to her mom her mom went on the computer and found a whole file of their adoptive daughter changing clothes and various other things in their bedroom and apparently the father knew that you don't have to have your computer on to actually someone else access the webcam and he was accessing her webcam and turning it towards her closet and bed. Oh, that's creepy. That's creepy. Oh, our world. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do some good news out of this creepy land. All right, here we go. Right. What kind of Nielsen ratings did her changing get? Oh! Uh, it says here 1.2 million viewers. So, yes, all in the 50 and above <sighs> slot. That's almost supernatural numbers. Oh, God. Oh, oh dear. Telltale Games. Released, yes. uh, announced a new slate. Two comic book properties are going active on the house of Sam and Max. First off, uh, Walking Dead is in development. Hmm. Deal will be multi-platform and multi-year arrangement. Will give the developer the right to release the games on any current platform, including mobile or social devices. The partnership is directly with comic creator Robert Kirkman. Nice. It will be nice. based on the Image comic rather than the AMC television sh- show. Hmm. Jesus, and not content with one comic book property, uh, two big movie licenses, their unique titles. They also bought the rights to Vertigo's Fables comic book as well. Ooh. And they also bought the classic King's Quest series for their upcoming catalog. Yay! Nice. These hmm. announcements was all the company had the offer at this point, but they did promise more information at this year's E3. This also coincides with the current uh, Back to the Future, which is available right now on your PC for free. For free? For free. If you go to Telltale Games' uh, website, I think it's a BTTF offer. And then write in uh, 121 uh, gigawatts. Gigawatts, sorry. Yes, gigawatts. Uh, If you write that in as the code, you get the game for free, at least episode one. Damn it. I just bought the whole five episode thing. I think it's only on PC and you yes. only get the first no. episode. Okay, because so. I just bought the complete five episode series for What's the PS3. Like? Oh, it's um, fun. I it's, like it. It's really good. Uh, the Compared only to. I would say with, as far as the PS3 version of it is concerned, I bought it on there because it was on sale. It was $20 for all five episodes okay. as opposed to 30 What's it play like? Um, <laughs> the, my only gripe with it would be that it's clear that there are certain spots if you're on the PC that you would click on with the mouse to go interact with these things. On the PS3, you kind of have to pull one of the triggers down, and it like highlights the things that you can interact with. And you have to turn Marty just right so that he's just looking at the thing, oh. and then and then you can click on the action button. So I mean, it's it's not quite as precise as the PC version, but 
it looks great. Uh, the voice acting is tip top. Um, you know, uh, so it's like the, a click through adventure. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's your ba- it's your thing. classic Sierra online. Well, yeah, Telltale Games. That's pretty much what they have made. Yeah, yeah. It's if you like Telltale Sam and Max, it plays very similar. But uh, Torgo actually told me about this, uh, showed it to me, and I finally got on to it myself. But the voice actor that they got to do Marty. Oh, my God. He's incredible. Yeah. Spot on. It sounds just like Marty McFly from the 80s. No way, Doc. Yeah, it's crazy. He's got all the right inflections down and everything. So it's... Nice. So yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I just finished the first episode, so I'm trying to and a get decent the continuation of the story. Yeah, yeah, it's well done. And well, Bob Gale is, I guess, um, involved in the story. For those of us who don't know who Bob Gale is, Bob Gale is the <laughs> original writer of the Back to the Future trilogy. So, wait, so it continues the story. Yes, it does. Yes. Really? Yes, it does. That's interesting. And not in the shitty way that the cartoon did. No, what oh, cartoon? What? I don't yeah, know. Cartoon? I, I know not. <laughs> <a cartoon. laughs> oh, I used to watch that every Saturday. As a side note, of what you speak. Side note: Robert Kirkman must slowly be getting rich as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> He's living. And the bless his heart. He he deserves it. He does mm. deserve it. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good story. Uh, in a press release sent out today, it was announced that Sony Pictures has acquired the movie rights to IDW's publishing comic book series, Zombies vs. Robots. Why have I never read that? The comic, written and created by Chris Rael with Ashley Wood handling artwork, tells the story of robots who fight off waves of hungry zombies as they try to protect the last surviving human. <laughs> human. human. Singular? Singular. Singular. Wow. What's the point if there's only one human left? Yeah, you can't procreate. Like cloning? Is that the only? You will have to read the comic or wait for the movie, man. Ha 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 ha! I don't like to wait. Well, (laughs) I don't know if this might throw a wrench in the work. Uh, Michael Bay, along with Brad Fuller. Brad Fuller and Andrew Form and their Platinum Dunes Productions will produce Zombies vs. Robots in collaboration with IDW, with Sony handling distribution. Doesn't say Michael Bay will direct it. Just produce it. So, okay. Okay. As soon as you said Michael Bay, I thought, why is this not in news you don't give a shit about? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of this movie. Well, at least there's money behind it. You know, while we're on Michael Bay, it pains me to say this, but I'm probably going to have to go see Transformers 3. Is it because uh, of the 3D glasses? No, it's not. I'm well. going to have to go see it just because. <laughs> that is, a good, that is a good reason to go do it. They are pretty special. I, just, I, I don't want to give the man my money. Because that second movie so was don't. so god-awful. So don't. Why do you have to go? Theater hop. I, well, if, if it's shitty, I probably will. But I... I, 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 I if it's I kinda, shitty. If it's shitty, he said. I yeah, want really. movies like that. Not specifically his movie, but the, the genre of films to continue getting made. That's so I, not almost, going to stop. I, yes, I realize that. And I keep just... <laughs> I just keep hoping against hope that they'll, that we'll get a decent Transformers. You know what's you gonna know what? happen? Here's what, this is what, this is what's gonna happen. Michael Bay is gonna be sitting in his gold vault made of gold with gold doors and gold toilet paper, drinking gold, and he's going sitting to say, on a "Gold hmm, toilet." I just counted all this money. I have like a bajillion dollars, but I could have sworn I expected <laughs> to have a bajillion and fifteen dollars. What the fuck happened? Accounting. Where are we missing fifteen dollars? Uh, see, Vegas. Seems, Scooter didn't go see the movie. It this seems time. we have a Jeff Gunner decided not to see the movie this year. We have to go take care of this right now. <laughs> Get on it! I'll be in my gold room licking the gold. <laughs> Over. I want to know more about this Gunter. Get me the gold cloud. <laughs> Quick to the gold cloud. 
And then he sees that his video camera has been moved. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Michael's this is why my camera is unplugged when I'm not using it. <laughs> I don't think you have anything to worry about, sir. I no, think I you don't. can, with a clear conscience, oh, come skip on, right now. the third iteration of the Transformers series. I'm going to go see I just, it. But that's just I want I it to all. be good. Yeah. I just really want it to be good. And I just you know, what? It know could, it's you know probably what? not going to it's be It's not out. It might be good. He we keeps will have to wait like, and see. It, and it's stupid because he keeps saying in, in like interviews, he's like, well, I took out all that silly comedy from the second one because fans really threw up a big stink about it. Like, yeah, uh-huh. they should have. It was awful. There you go. <laughs> Let's freaking just... ghetto bots in there? Come on. No, okay. Jet fire the cane. It, it, yeah. Wouldn't it be fantastic if all of a sudden the third movie is like everything came together? It's like, oh, he got it right. That would be pretty interesting, but the beef would still be in it. The beef. The beef? Shia LaBeef. No. Okay. <laughs> Shia LaBeef. <laughs> wow, you guys had to think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I did, actually. I, I got that right off. Quite honestly, quite honestly, I forgot he was in it. So It's, it's not going to be... <laughs> It's not going to be dead behind the eyes. Right. Yeah. Fox. I was going to say, well, Big and Fox is not in it, so that is a positive. There won't be anyone with you know, I don't know. I, thumbs I, I, I can't exactly. It's just Transformers. They're just part of that fine tradition of movies that's like having sex with a beautiful woman who just doesn't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't respond to you either. Exactly. Hmm. Are you just wow. going to lay there? <laughs> Hello? I'm sorry, what's your name? <laughs> oh, never mind. Just let me finish. <laughs> and finally, recently, wow. there's been some rumblings that Marvel Studios was <laughs> meeting with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang director Shane Black to replace Jon Favreau as the director of Iron Man 3. According to Deadline Hollywood, Black is in final negotiations for the job. What was wrong with Favreau? Uh, he, he left because he wanted to do the uh, uh, night in the museum version of the, uh, the Disney Thing where Disney in comes Disneyland, alive after the park, kids awesome. stuck in it. It's gonna be so awesome. Oh, See, boy. and that's why he left. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it's gonna be so awesome. It is. <laughs> anyway, the beautiful <laughs> girl doesn't care about you. Basically, basically, he wanted to up his uh, his resume. He wanted to up the money he gets, and he got more money doing this. So, oh, okay. So, according to Deadline Hollywood, Black is in final negotiations. For those who are unaware of Mr. Black, he started as writer and actor. Pending the scripts for Lethal Weapon and The Monster Squad. Nice. The last and the same year he wrote those two movies, he also played the role of Hawkins in the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Predator. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Hawkins? He wrote oh. Monster Squad? Yeah. So Wolfman's this is got the, Wolfman. He wrote Wolfman's Got Nards. Yes. He's got my vote. And he also went on to write well, and produce think... titles like The Last Boy Scout and The Long Kiss Goodnight. Well, oh, those are both good movies. Well, no, he did. No. He said he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But yes, he directed Kiss good. Kiss Bang Bang, which movie. people have tended to enjoy. So yeah. I recognize that name now. Yeah. Yes. The Predator. I've ne- that name has always nagged at me, and I'm like, no, that's not the reason why I know that guy. That And that finally clears it up. Yeah. He wrote Wolfman's Got Nards. <laughs> and you know what? Wolfman had Nards. He did. He did. Man, they hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the geek news. So it's got to be the big list. Big, big list. list. Dun, 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 dun. What is it? Today's big list comes from us from the wonderful Topless Robot, written by John Gutierrez. Um, eight movies that inexplicably got cartoon spinoffs. Okay. okay. Well, back to Future's one. Now, if any of these <laughs> ideas interest you, if you're unfamiliar with some of these, you can go to Topless Robot and see the introduction for each one of these cartoons. 
Nice. I had I had to say I know of some of these existing. I haven't seen a single one of these. All right, we have to. Wow. So, I probably have, so if you so have, we'll yeah. And this is inexplicably. Inexplicably got cartoon spinoffs. Mm. All right. Uh, number eight, Highlander. I did see that cartoon. I did. <laughs> Holy it? mackerel! I didn't it know there a, was a Highlander okay. cartoon. You ha- you're talking to uh, <laughs> Jeff. Okay. Didn't know. I'm Holy the youngest sh- one in this room, so I really enjoyed the Highlander TV show. Right. Okay. I Grown. did. But really, I saw that before I ever saw any of the movies. We really went through a Highlander renaissance at one point. Yeah. Mm. And then they did a cartoon. Now I don't really remember. I just remember the intro into the cartoon, but I want to say you? it was on like CBS. Like Saturday mornings or something. What? Saturday morning decapitations? Well, let me let me explain Gutierrez's uh, take on this. This Please. is inexplicable. I mean, the original high premise of Highlander is pretty cartoony. A bunch of immortals fight each other to get a <laughs> mythical prize. It's actually pretty straightforward as an 80s cartoon, but where you get into trouble is all the crazy head chopping, as you said, Commander. Now, to give this series credit... They didn't change the premise too much, and there were plenty of deaths in this. Yes, it was the 80s. You were allowed to show that in cartoons. Even if they did take place in a crazy distant future with some immortals refusing to kill and the whole new McLeod, and it apparently made more sense than most of the movie sequels. So. So what weird. was his name? Sean McLeod? I, 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 you know, I saw, I saw the, uh, the opening and I can't even remember. But Seamus. Seamus. That's an Irish name? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and just, just on a side Bob. note, the original movie is called Highlander because that particular character just happened to be very Scottish. Well, no, because he was from a Highland clan. He's from a Highland clan. From the islands of Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, and then the Scottish well, actor played a Spaniard who I mean, was originally Scotland, an ancient but... Egyptian. And therefore, every single Highlander thing from there on in has to be friggin' McLeod from Scotland. Yep. They're f- or from whole universe. the clan McLeod. They're all just... They have to be from the clan McLeod. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just Scottish immortals. That's all they had. Whatever. Number seven, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt. I remember that cartoon. I remember it existing. That had a cartoon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Technically, it's not based on a movie. But rather the unrated HBO series. Yeah. But considering the number of C-list celebrities hacked to death on that series, it still wasn't something kids should be watching. But you'd bet kids would love a bit of good gory fun, but this one overcompensated and made itself way too kid-friendly. As the type of horror stories you expected to end up being just watered-down morality tales where everything came out all right at the end. So instead of being about ghost stories where Bobcat Goldthwait gets hacked to death, we got ones where kids learn the perils of lying. Mm-hmm. What, it was Goofus and Gallant? Like ba- the, it, it had the, it had actually had the three EC main characters of the horror comics. They had the Crypt Keeper, the Vault Keeper, and the Wicked Witch as characters in this. Oh wow. Screw that. Number six, oh. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That, that one cartoon? I actually remember. <laughs> I love this. That Barry one I actually remember. Befuddled on every one of these. It's Did crazy. I live in the eighties? What the? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you remember you watched? It? I I do remember this. I do. I did watch a, a few episodes of that. I remember it. It was just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. as a, as a, did the tomatoes talk to each other? Uh, yeah. There was something with okay, the, like one of the tomatoes cartoon. was like a pseudo pet, and it's it yeah, just weird. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so why adapt a film that almost no one saw in the first place? Especially the original movie is confusing mess featuring a beautiful girl made from a tomato who transformed back whenever Beethoven's Fifth was played. Well, sure as hell, they weren't trying to appeal to all the what? kids that saw the original Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, unless they think that you know, six-year-olds were really into kitsch. But, yeah, 
I saw the opening to it and I'm just befuddled. That is super wow. dumb. Holy God. Bit of trivia. Guess what major movie star was in the Return of the Killer Tomatoes? Uh, was that George Clooney, sir? That was George Clooney. Bam! Wow. Who knows that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's kind of like Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. Yeah. I'm a Leprechaun. Oh, Let's God. not forget Courtney Cox, I believe, was in He-Man Masters of the yes. Universe. Wow. And so was Robert Duncan McNeil. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And don't forget that Michael Close was in the SIN, so keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> you should remind him of that next time you see him, Barry. I will. Number five, Rambo and the Forces of Freedom. Oh, my yes, God. I remember, I remember that, that one. one. I don't remember this one. It was Garbage-tastic. Yeah. The uber-patriotic 80s were the perfect time for Rambo, or at least the U.S. soldier he became by the third Rambo film, which completely did away with the tortured vet aspects of the character in the first two films. Which explains the G.I. Joe makeover they gave him for this cartoon as Rambo fought the fictional terrorist organization Savage without actually shooting anyone. Well, maybe they thought kids wouldn't be as interested in watching him shoot up a small country town week after week. Yeah, I love it. He freaking shoots his bow and arrow, but he doesn't ever hit any one person. It just It's like... Oh, here I need to make a zip line across the th- the you know this from this building to the next building. They basically turned him into Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah really. they turned him into friggin' a non-lethal. You take one of the most lethal killing forces in cinema and turn him into a non-killing soldier, basically. Well, there you go. And speaking Boom. of lethal killing forces in cinema, number four, Little Shop of Horrors, the cartoon. I, I, I'm, I'm aware of its existence. I don't know if I ever saw any wow. episodes because I can't recall. <laughs> the weird thing is, is as you say these, I'm I'm creating animations in my mind. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm remembering stuff or creating these false memories yep. now. Well, right? again, you can check these out on Topless Robot. They got them all. Oh. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, both the original Roger Corman Little Shop of Horrors and the 80s musical remake featured a lot of death. And that's without the musical's original ending, where every main character died. Wasn't the main one of the main characters the guy who starred in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Rick Moranis, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And after all, it's about a plant that eats people. So it's an odd choice to make a kid's cartoon about it. Even if you update the doo-wop sound to a type of generic hip-hop that was all over <laughs> the place in the 1990s. And while the plant didn't kill too many people in the cartoon... It did have a habit of eating the show's piano teacher, who turned up fine in the next episode. So how do you make a habit out of that? Well, it's just like um. Well, you got a, what's Kenny. his name? Kenny yeah, dying just like in Kenny. Every episode. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, you got a little killing and no consequences. Great lesson for kids. Yep. Yes. Which, did really? you did you guys watch the the episode where Kenny where they were the superheroes? Uh, no. No. You actually learned. We watched this. You actually learned why Kenny comes back every time he dies. Wow. Yes. Don't right. ruin it. Interesting. I won't ruin it, but you need to watch. It was that was the whole episode was good. It was the Cthulhu one. Yeah. It was the whole thing was good. Hmm. And Kenny talked you, you, the you, whole you time. Had me at Cthulhu. Like so. you, had no... uh, you had Todd's like, interest peaked. Yes. Wow. You had Todd's interest peaked as soon as you said Cthulhu. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, number three, <laughs> Police Academy. I remember yes. that. <laughs> well, that's the first consensus we've got in the room. For some reason, Fat Albert just popped in my head. I changed the channel whenever it was on. <laughs> now, while most people remember the later watered-down post-Steve Gutenberg sequels, it's easy to forget just how bawdy the first film was. There was nudity, yep. gay jokes, and Leslie Easterbrook's gigantic boobs. All 
that really explains why they had to add so much new stuff to the cartoon, including a bunch of talking dogs called the Canine Corps. <laughs> what? What hell? If you're, if yeah. you're not going to put in a podium blowjob joke, it's just not police again. <laughs> yeah. uh, number two, Toxic Crusaders. I don't remember this. I don't know this one. Oh, I think you might. If there's one studio that's least appropriate for children that isn't doing porn... Please not trauma. It's going to be trauma. <laughs> wow. Oh, they should never put out cartoons. <laughs> Distributors of such classics as Rabid Grannies and Bloodsucking Freaks, they were able to take their best-known classic, The Toxic Avenger, and turn it into a cartoon of goofy misfits fighting for the environment. Okay, that's Captain Planet. You know what? I actually do remember this now. <laughs> Well, it's pretty impressive considering that Toxic Avenger movie features him jamming a milkshake stirrer into a guy's throat. Yeah, they're yeah. special as a studio. Toxie. You see them every every year at Comic-Con pushing their latest crap. That's true. And uh, Lloyd's always there, man. Lloyd's always there. But you know there. what? At least they're making movies. And, and they're making movies that people like. They, they, I'm not saying like that Sergeant you're going to like them. Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. I will tell you right now, growing up, when I saw a new trauma release was at the video store, I, I snatched it right up. Did you ever see Tromeo and Juliet? I liked I did some see of their and earlier Juliet. stuff. They're, they're, yeah, I, I rented Toxic Avenger many, many times. And yeah, the, the stuff has no social redeeming value whatsoever. But it it uh, it fills a niche. Yeah, And they're still doing it. And, and the man made, man made money doing cult it. Following too. And yeah. The man tragically underpays his actors, but he gets it done. And number one, RoboCop. I Going remember back that. to the I statue. Yeah. Barely. While the Toxic Avenger was violent in a cartoony way, RoboCop is simply one of the most disturbingly violent films of the 90s. More disturbingly, this tune tried to keep pretty close to the original film, with the opening credits even showing an animated version of Weller getting gunned down. Wow. And if you have any doubts that the makers of the show are expecting kids to have watched the original film, they brought back Clarence Boddicker into the show. Clarence? <laughs> Isn't he the one with the toxic waste? <laughs> this no, could only a... appeal to people who had seen the film. He shot Clarence. Well, he stabbed Clarence Bodiger in the neck with the his little. Oh his right, data, right, right, right. That that uh, the the dad from yes, yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Who is the other guy? The toxic waste guy. Oh, I don't know. I his can't name. remember the character's name. Uh, Splatterman. Uh, that was one of the best moments in cinema. People watch RoboCop just near the end. That's true. He, he this Get truck off me, man. drives into a toxic waste barrel. Why there would be a giant like <laughs> tank actually of toxic waste? God knows. And it's then, Detroit, dude. Yeah, there Detroit. And so he walks out the back and he's like, like a mutant after all this toxic waste hits him. Yeah, like the, and then the car hits him and he explodes yeah. in a splatter of goo. Yeah. It's awesome. And this is after he's like trying to ask his friend. Like, yeah. I've never seen him. Like, oh, get off me, man. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's good stuff. That, that is such a gory, violent picture. Just the beginning, oh, too. Man. Just, they shoot the hell out of people. Oh, yeah, Peter when, Weller's death is, is when, yeah, brutal. That was that was like one mm -hmm. of the most traumatizing film things for me when I was young. When Same I saw here. that, because I I've saw just it was so graphic. You know, when they blow his arm off, yeah, and everything, shotgun and turning like, his hand to goo. Yeah, and you just I'm just sitting there going. I mean, I had I, I wouldn't say nightmares, but I had dreams about that. And I was just like, man, that is 
fucked up. That, that sticks with a kid. All these reasons are why I was not allowed to watch this movie. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that's one of the. That's one of the ones that's true that kids should have not seen well, Robocop. You know, did you, ever see the day. did you actually ever see Robocop? I've never seen it. We're gonna watch it. It's a great I little film. Would probably never have gotten to see that in my own home. However, uh, I had uh, a friend whose parents were a little bit more relaxed with the rules, and it was actually at his house that I saw it. <laughs> so. You know, yeah. So you I, always needed a friend like yeah. that. Everyone had that friend. Here's to that friend for making yeah. us yeah. like well, geeks cheers. that we are. <laughs> it was, you know, it was his house that I got to see Predator because Predator was too violent for for my household. So I got to see Predator at his house. I got to see Commando at his house. I got to see RoboCop. Uh, I, I could I go on and on, but you know, all the house. all the yeah. R-rated movies that I would not have been able to see in my own home growing up because I was too young. I got to see uh, at his place. So. We had HBO. I got to watch what I want. That mm. you know what that was it. It was the friend who had HBO. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I saw RoboCop. The friend who had guy? HBO. Awesome. I had uh, we had Cinemax growing up. We had that. <laughs> we had Cinemax. And you know what? It, it was no, so it was weird HBO, because Cinemax and so, Prism. If it, anyone so Emmanuel that. was your friend. Uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had Friday uh, after dark. The first Emmanuel. time I ever had cable in my own home was when I moved out on my own. So wow. I was 22 years old. The, the oh, weird thing, and the world opened up to you. <laughs> the, the, and we're so we're talking 2000, 2003 is when I had the first time I ever had cable in my house. What was the what was the first movie that you saw that just made you feel horrible afterwards? Like I, I wish I hadn't seen that movie because it made me feel. Bleh. Well, I mean, I grew up. I I had friends that had it at their house. We would watch MTV. You know, back when MTV would show videos well, please all day. Please tell me it's going to be a video. I don't know. I, I don't even know. <laughs> thriller? Did Thriller scare you? Well, okay. Wow. Oh, I remember Interview with the Vampire was one of the ones that I saw on cable. Okay. So it was uncut, and that gave me nightmares for a while. Awesome. Which, vampire stuff doesn't bother me, so I think it was just because of my age at the time. Yeah. I think and, it was because of Christian who, who Slater, but remember that's just me. this, I don't do horror, because horror gives me really bad nightmares. Really bad And that's nightmares. just on the cusp of, that's barely even in horror land. Yeah. yeah really. So, I mean, like I said, that stuff doesn't, vampires and zombies, all that stuff doesn't bug me. It's ghost things and hauntings and all that stuff that gives me the freaking heebie-jeebies. Um, but yeah, I remember watching Beetlejuice for the first time and I was a kid and it was on regular television. So my parents thought it was going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was, oh, God, I couldn't sleep. I remember yelling and screaming for my mom because every time I closed my eyes, I'd see, like, when they went down. Michael Keaton will do that to you. (laughs) Well, it was when they went down to the office. When they went down to the offices and the guys with the shrunken head and they're waiting, they're sitting there waiting there in the waiting room. (laughs) It's all those things that they see while they're there that uh, I couldn't get out of my head. Wow. Yeah. And I just have to put to the side because this was something that was going to be in the the news today, but I kind of, things have to get edited out. Uh, you mentioned Mr. Mom? Yeah. Getting rebooted. No. What? Yeah, MGM released their new reboot slate includes uh, Polter- movie, Poltergeist and Mr. Mom. They're going to remake Poltergeist? Yes, There's nothing are. wrong with the original. No, they don't They don't make them because there was something wrong no, with the first one. No, they make them because they made money. Yeah, and they, they can want do to it make again. Money. Recognizable branding. MGM is in financial straits right, right. now. Right, so they're only going to put money towards things that will make them money. Movie, yeah, movies that are... Nearly guaranteed to make them money. All right, listen. Poltergeist is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, I got a full-size freaking clown in my room, for God's sake, of mm-hmm. that movie. This film, I'm actually looking forward to. If it's Uh-oh. done right. But, if it's I, done right, yeah. If it's done right or wrong, I want to really? see someone else's <laughs> take on it 
whether it's great or piss poor. I want to see someone else well, tackle these same things that scare the shit out of me and see if they can. Well, see, try at least now it. special effects. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some there's some things they do now that you can't even. Yeah, they they they're had, so real. It's they have ridiculous. things available to them now, and that that original film is super creative in some of the effects yeah. they had. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want to see what it's, what it's done in other hands. So okay. I say bravo. Make will, it happen. Will we get a Michael Bay's Poltergeist? I don't... I, I, I think they have a name attached to it I didn't recognize. Will we get an Uwe Boll's Poltergeist? Uh, yeah. That, okay. <laughs> you know what? I would Paul even w. see S. that. Paul W.S. Anderson's Poltergeist? Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith's Poltergeist. Oh, God. Mick G's Poltergeist. Oh, wow. Bob Guccione's Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm afraid that that ends this week's Geek Shock. But if you got something to add, write to us. Comments at Ugly Couch Show. And be sure to watch the Ugly Couch Show. More episodes are coming. Or click on that link. Yeah. Click on that link right below this podcast. That link. Where it says comments. Yeah, if you got them. Yeah. I'd like to know what you think. But if you've got nothing to think, well, listen to us next week. Because we'll give you more things to think about. So until then, I am Master Torgo. Dr. Lord. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Deb. And talk to you next week. Mm, guys really freak me out. I won't see there that. He's actually seen the original. Right I've seen the original. That's a scary movie. But I saw oh, it on TV, so it's cut. Was oh. your hand right before your eyes? And, and it was during the day, like with the lights bright, but bright. Yeah, and there was other people there. But um. <laughs>